Hi, I'm Joe Sheeran, and welcome to the Dealmaker series. This show highlights some of our most interesting deals by talking to the entrepreneurs and the dealmakers behind them. Today, we're joined by Mick Crosswaite, the former chairman of HAS Technology, a market-leading tech solution in the health and social care sector. HAS was recently sold to the Access Group, a leading UK provider of business solutions and software. And joining us again is Graham Pierce, who heads up our TMT corporate finance team. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Good morning. Morning. Hi, Joe. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good to see you. Hi, Mick. Excellent. So, Mick, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, this is absolutely brilliant. So just to get started, it'd be great to hear a little bit more about you and your background, HAS technology, and perhaps the company's journey to deciding to sell. Sure, no problems, Joe. Um, I've been involved in technology since 1999. I started off at the broadband provider Tiscali, um, where I spent five years before deciding to uh, strike out on a more entrepreneurial career path. Uh, And I founded Bluebell Telecom Group, which was a business that I ran for 10 years. Um, We acquired uh, a number of uh, smaller competitor resellers to become a leading provider of SaaS cloud-based call management providers. We sold that business very successfully in March 16 um, to J2 Global, which is a US-based NASDAQ-listed business. And Octopus Investments were one of the investors in that business, and that was the link um, to HAS Technology where they made an investment in, uh, in, in 2015. So just to, to follow on a bit of what you said with regards to, to HS technology, it's a provider of technology solutions for health and social care, also facilities management industries, um, and provides solutions including workforce scheduling, visit verification, client and carer safeguarding, invoicing, payroll, and business intelligence. And just to give you a flavor with regards to, to scale, about 16 million turnover, excellent EBITDA margins, and 125 staff in offices across the UK, New Zealand, and the USA. So the decision to sell was really tough. Uh, we were just starting to see growth come through in areas where we spent a lot of time, money, and effort over the last couple of years. Um, Savvy, which was a a business that we acquired um, in in the US, which is a brilliant system for uh, care providers to manage their workforces um, and revenue cycle management, which is all of the complexity of ensuring that they're getting paid um, by the insurance companies, Medicaid and and Medicare for the care that they're delivering. Um, Also armed. Um, which combines wearable technology and machine learning um, to identify risks early in the care cycle to support independent living for older adults so they can stay in their own homes for uh, for longer. Um, so it was really tough to to make that decision to sell at a back a backdrop um, where we were really seeing um, those investments starting to come through. Brilliant. Thanks, Mick. That, that's really interesting. And Graham, just from your perspective, what was happening in the market at that time? 
Oh, well, I think um, I think it's fair to say that that last year was dominated by COVID. Um, of course, we all know that, and it really affected the deals market in the technology space. I mean, if we think back to you know March, April last year, along with pretty much everything else, you know, the initial lockdown period led to a general shutdown and hiatus across the board. Um, just full stop. Um, in, in life, in, in deal activity, in, in the market generally. But in the autumn of last year, we at KPMG certainly saw that the deals market in the technology space was coming back quite strongly. Um, in fact, we managed to complete a flurry of software deals across multiple verticals um, in September, October, November last year. So that gave us a bit of anecdotal evidence of a general trend, which was that investors were very cash rich, you know, they'd just come out of a period of, of hiatus, but but had been spooked by COVID and what that might do to some end markets. So the sectors they were prepared to invest in had narrowed. Um, and of course, you know, software and technology, particularly software and technology applied into the healthcare market is an area of, of, of great focus um, for them. So I think with all that in mind, you know, that really tough decision that Mick talks about you know that that was what was was feeling like it was pushing us, and the other thing, um, which which I think is you know fairly well uh, well common wisdom at the moment is that the general feeling, and it still exists today, that prevailing tax rates and in particular capital gains tax rates could well be increased significantly. So you know the with this window of opportunity to explore a transaction was there, but it was really only the catalyst, Joe. You know, it was clear to me and I think, Mick, that HAS technology had a great legacy platform and some fantastic new technology and growth areas that could really be exploited further for the benefit of its customers and society in general with a reinvigorated ownership structure. So, you know, you put all that into the pot and I think it just tipped the balance in, into the favour of dipping our toe into the market and just seeing what was out there. And from a company perspective, Mick, is there anything to add on that? Yeah, I think really just to emphasise the points that, uh, that that Graham has uh, has made there, maybe one extra point with regards to Octopus Investments. Um, they invested into the business in summer 2015, um, so that was coming up to their six-year anniversary. Um, you know, that's an evergreen fund, so there's not necessarily a specific. Uh, cliff edge timing with regards to uh, looking to make a return on on their investment, um, but you know after six years, you know any, any investor is uh, is certainly delighted to get a good return of it if, if it's available. And I think just to touch on the point that that Graham made with regards to capital gains tax, um, and if you think that prior to March 2020. For an entrepreneur, they could get their first ten million pounds at ten percent. If we, as we were concerned earlier this year with regards to alignment of, of of capital gains tax and income tax, if that was to align to say forty or forty five percent, you're actually seeing a fourfold increase in the in the tax rate that an entrepreneur could pay. Um, so it's uh, you know it, 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 that's. The, the tax changes or threatened tax changes certainly, um, you know, certainly a driver to uh, to, to to make to, to make the, a deal go through. Yeah, definitely. That's that's significant, isn't it? You just can't get away from that. 
So Mick, I mean, you've done this a couple of times now and selling your business isn't really a straightforward process, is it? It'd be great to hear, you know, within this process, what were what were the key challenges for the company and yourself? Yes, certainly, certainly. And I guess some some tips from from my perspective to 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 others with regards to uh, how to 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 make that process go as uh, as smoothly and most successfully as as possible. So I say number one, and this is not just a, a straight KPMG plug, but you know engage the experts early. You know, good good corporate finance advisors will pay for themselves many times over but engage them early, you know, at least 12 months before you're thinking of selling. And I think also review um, your other advisors. So, you know, the lawyers that you might be working with for sort of day-to-day -day commercial support, are they the right um, lawyers to work with you through a, you know, through a sale process or, or, a, or a PE transaction? Do they have capacity? Do they have the experience to, to do that? Secondly, get organized and ensure that your objectives are, are all clearly agreed with your stakeholders um, before you kick off um, your, your sale process. And again, you know, your corporate finance advisor can help you with that. You know, what are the expectations on price and structure? You know, cash upfront, earnouts, retentions, escrow. But it's also important to think about the risk and is everybody aligned with regards to risk? Who is giving the warranties? You know, for what value do you have warranty and indemnity insurance instead? So I think that risk piece is an area that people don't think about until they get into the deal. I think it's important that everybody is um, ventilating um, that that conversation um, before they cross the uh, the start line. I'd say also you've got to be DD ready before you start. Um, bidders and buyers will want an awful lot of information. So financial due diligence, legal due diligence, commercial due diligence, including customer referencing, technical due diligence, pen testing for your software platform. And whilst you control that initial release of information that's going out to, uh, to buyers, that's really the tip of the iceberg. Um, and the amount of follow-up questions that, that you'll have coming back into you um, will be very extensive and, to be frank, exhausting as well. Um, and, and you will be judged on the quality of those responses and the timely nature of those responses. So, you know, if it takes five days to get back with the simple, simple answers, you know, that that detracts from a good feeling that maybe a, a bidder or buyer has has for you and you just got to make sure that you know it's the information is very clear and there's no discrepancies um against it and you know and be ready to invest you know you this is a six day a week 14 hours a day um you know process that you will go through um and you've just got to make sure that you can push through it and push hard um, because you you just you personally and for the business as well cannot afford to get stuck in a process for six months. Speed is of the essence. Yeah, and you had an even tighter timetable, don't you? Yeah, six months. Yeah, six months would be great. Three months would be great. We had five weeks. <laughs> I remember, I remember Mick very prophetically saying at, at the start of that four or five week period, he said you know, Tony and I will get no sleep for the next month. And I think you were broadly 
correct in that assessment, Mick, because I think the thing that Mick's saying there, Joe, is, you know, a business the size of access, they're fantastic buyers, but they have got a lot of advice around them as well. They've got a lot of professional help and they're a big team. So descending, you know, being able to face off to that, you know, it's a it's a big, daunting, challenging task. And Mick was front and centre of that. So, um, no, he certainly uh, the 14 hours a day and probably a few more on the end of that as well at times. And make sure you've got a, a you know a, a brilliant CFO um, on your side involved in the process. Um, Tony Tompkins uh, was our CFO in the process and um, absolutely invaluable in assisting with the um, avalanche of questions that that come through. So um, yeah, def- definitely a, a good C a good CFO is absolutely essential. Thanks, Mick. That that's really interesting. And and Graham, I mean. From your perspective, it'd be great to hear, you know, what was special about this deal from, from your perspective? Yeah, thanks, Joe. I mean, look, I've had lots of dealings with the Access Group over many years and I've got to know them quite well. Um, you know, I, I I think Mick would agree with me. You know, Access is an exceptional business. It's grown from humble roots to be, you know, a, sh- a software juggernaut here in the UK. And, you know, I... I saw that Access's philosophy and values aligned really well with HAS technology. You know, and value aside, I was convinced that it was a great home for the business. I've known Chris Bain, the chief executive at Access, and many members of the management team for a long time. And I can tell you that Access has a really good culture and despite its size, operates in a very entrepreneurial way. you know, HAS technology, like any business, it's not without its own challenges, but what Access brings is a fresh perspective and a reinvigoration that will help HAS meet the demands of its evolving market. Without getting into too much detail, HAS technology has over the years built amazing relationships with local authorities, helping them manage their domiciliary care providers. But the whole system is going through massive upheaval, and it's not just because of COVID. This was happening before COVID and will continue to change. The integrated care system um, is just really putting root and branch disruption through that whole sector. And a well-capitalized business like Access will be able to bring a bigger suite of technology tools to bear in that changing market and really help the change process run smoothly and help empower that digital transformation. But really, Joe, you know, look, as you know, we at KPMG do loads of deals with private equity and other mm-hmm. investors, and they're great to be part of, but by their very nature, they're only ever stepping stone deals. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to sell a business to private equity, but you know that in three to five years, that's gonna, that's gonna go through another process. So for me, you know, it's really personally fulfilling when we're part of a deal that finds that final home uh, like we have in this case. Brilliant, Th- thanks, Graham. And just kind of from a wider perspective, are there any other lessons learned, Mick, that you just think are worth mentioning at this point? Yeah, so just to re-emphasize a point that Graham's made there about fit, it's absolutely essential that that we found a business that has a good fit, a good fit for our employees and a good fit for our customers. Um, and our customers are providing care to the most vulnerable members of society. So it's absolutely critical that whoever we were selling to, you know, was a good home for our employees and and for our customers as well. And certainly with access, we were comfortable that that was a, you know, that 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 was definitely going to be a good fit. Great, thanks, Mick. So it sounds like it was 
the perfect fit really for, from that side of things. Um, and Graham, anything else to add from your side in terms of the deal, lessons learned? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, in, as they say, every day is a school day. And um, certainly there were lots of learning points in this transaction right right through it. I mean, um, I, 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 would, I would offer a few points here. I mean, the flexibility aspects, you know, we, we, we had multiple avenues available to us. You know, as Mick said at the outset of this podcast, um, the decision to even explore a sale in autumn last year was very tough and it was only it was only just in the balance so always reminding ourselves that there were other things never being held hostage to fortune you know knowing that the business had a perfectly good trajectory on its own without needing this do or die deal was quite critical because you can get swept up in the momentum of a transaction and lose sight of you know the bigger picture and and you know you've got to try and keep this passionate and you've got to try and um maintain flexibility and options as long as you can um you know we one of the things that we did around the deal was um there were some aspects of has technologies product set which it became clear that access just didn't value in the same way that that the shareholders of has technology particularly the founding shareholders valued that technology and just slightly different paths to where access was going nothing wrong with that just a, just a difference of opinion and rather than butt heads you know with access what we did is we just excluded some of that stuff from the deal so so actually it was a very elegant solution because it gives the founding shareholders um business you know a business opportunity to take forward um and, and access you know couldn't couldn't give the sort of valuation we wanted for it anyway um but i think the overall learning point for me was knowing when to strike and acting with conviction you know the discussions that Mick and I had in November last year about the, you know, the possibility of a of a process and speaking to some buyers. You know, it was it was a sort of a, a very amorphous, uh, you know, cloud of, of thought. But we, we 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 when we decided it was the right course of action, we did it with purpose, um, and we made sure that that the tactical process that we embarked on um, was was the right one, and and gave ourselves every chance of success. And we, as I say, we. We certainly stayed focused on the outcome and got got a great deal in the end. Yeah, great. It was, a, it was definitely definitely a, an excellent deal, an excellent outcome for everybody. Brilliant, brilliant. We well, just a couple of other things was that um, we also acquired a business three days before we did the deal, um, wow. so we were running an acquisition in parallel. Yeah, um, Nick just likes to make life hard for himself. Yeah. <laughs> in parallel with the sale um, and. Um, we we did it in five weeks and we did it all from our from our home offices or um or, or spare bedrooms. So um, you know, there were no in-person meetings um and that didn't um uh you know that didn't cause a problem, all done remotely. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So just kind of in the in the last few minutes here, I, I'm keen to do a few kind of quick fire questions for you, Mick. Um and the first one is you know you've just done a great deal how did you celebrate in covid i guess yeah well that that that's really the trouble celebrating in covid is uh, is is not particularly uh, easy and and to be fair it's a bit like doing back to back mountain marathons for four weeks you know you kind of get across the finish line and you're just so exhausted you know you can hardly remember your own name let alone uh, embark on some some massive celebration um, but we did have a really big fry up for breakfast the uh, the, the day after the deal went through. So that was uh, 
that was really the the start of the celebrations. And was that breakfast with the family then, Mick? Yeah, no, it's good good to uh, get everybody involved because obviously, um, you know, when you're doing a deal at home, uh, you know, everybody in the family is aware that you are working particularly hard. So uh, my uh, m- my kids were very good at, uh, you know, bringing me uh, tea and meals at my desk as the uh, as as the relentless uh, process uh, ground through over over five weeks. And so, no, it was uh, everybody everybody could uh, could see the pressures that were going on in the office at home. Yeah, and I guess you're cultivating future entrepreneurs there potentially. I think it's good. It's good for your kids to see you working hard. I think sometimes they wonder that you just go to the office and sort of, you know, have uh, have a few cups of coffee and long lunches and uh, and a few meetings. So it's good for them to see what uh, you know what uh, what real hard work looks like. Great. And so, what's next for you, Mick? So from from my perspective, you know, I love working as a team. I love building great businesses. I'm not hanging up my boots. I'm actively looking for for what's next out there as either a a CEO um, or a chair. Um, If we weren't in COVID times, then maybe it'd be a good opportunity to do something, uh, um, you know, go and canoe around the Galapagos Islands or something like that. Um, but it's not really the best summer for uh, for, for big adventures. So yeah, out there speaking to lots of people. Great. So that's for anyone that's listening who's looking for an amazing chairman or CEO, do get in touch. Um, I think, Graham, you might have a few opportunities, don't you? Get in touch on the satellite phone around the Galapagos because when Nick says... <laughs> around the Galapagos, he actually might because he's he's <laughs> he's got a background in that sort of thing. Yeah, so... I mean, I'd love to explore that a bit more. Just, um, just on our final point here, Mick, you're you're not just an amazing entrepreneur, but you are a bit a, a bit of an adventurer, aren't you? So, um, I've heard you've crossed the Atlantic on a rib, and you've also climbed Everest, saving Bear Grylls and on the way, <laughs> saving his life on the way as well. Um, so it'd be great if you could tell us a little bit more about that story, and you know, what have you taken from these experiences that you know, you've brought into your entrepreneurial life, that would be great. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, no, I think, I th- I'm not sure where Bear, Bear and I are on the tally of who saved whose life the most often, but we've had a few uh, a few adventures together over the years, which, yeah, almost invariably involve uh, getting ourselves out of, uh, of, of various sticky situations. Um, but for me, you know, climbing on Everest, crossing the Arctic Ocean or building businesses is it's all very similar um it's actually it's a it's about a defined goal and a team of highly motivated people working to achieve a a common goal so for for me yeah whether it's building hs technology or 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 crossing the atlantic in a in an open top rib um or climbing on everest um, it, it, it's all the same, you know, great people and, and a common goal and, and let's make it happen. Albeit, I would say that it's certainly drier and warmer building businesses than, uh, you know, than, uh, than, than expeditions. So that has definitely got some advantages there. Great, great. And Graham, anything, any last, last thoughts from yourself? Well, there's not, there's not much, uh, there's no way to follow that is there, Joe. So uh, I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. it's just great that, uh, um, and, and Mick's very humble about all that stuff. You know, I didn't even know um, all this stuff until two thirds of the way through the deal. You know, he, he certainly doesn't rub it in your face. So, um, so no, look, it was a great, in hindsight, it was a fantastic deal. Um, it's one of those deals that, you know, the more you think about it, 
the more you you realize what a great deal it was um and, and i certainly think we at kpmg added a lot of value through the process so um no it was fantastic and hopefully not the last time i'll be uh, crossing paths with mick although hopefully in a business setting and not carrying his bags up the side of everest because i think that's uh, the <laughs> there's a challenge <laughs> no, no it's certainly great to great to work with with kpmg and um you know, to, to you, Graham, and to um, to Stuart and Rory and Katie and everyone else behind the scenes. So, yeah, great, great team. And thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you both so much for your time, especially you, Mick. That, that was great. Um, that's all we have time for today. So please do like, share and comment on the podcast. And thanks for all your support today. See you soon.